as a service with Robohub, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hello and welcome to the RoboHub podcast. Today we will hear from Advanced Intelligent Systems, AIS, a Canadian robotics company whose ambitious vision is to create a practical, affordable robot for every task. The company have already developed mobile manipulator robots for labour-intensive agricultural work. And last year, in response to the COVID-19 pandemic and supported by Canada's Advanced Manufacturing Supercluster Awards, AIS started work on a UV light disinfecting robot for workplaces and the hospitality industry. The company's CEO, Afshin Doost, spoke to our interviewer Lily about their business model and their future plans. Hi, welcome to the RoboHub podcast. Would you mind introducing yourself? Hi, Lily. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. My name is Afshin Doost, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Advanced Intelligent Systems, a robotic company in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And can you tell us a little bit about what AIS's mission is? Yes, uh, AIS has a vision to create a practical robot for every task. Uh, right now, we are producing robots for the agriculture industry, and we've also started uh, creating one for disinfecting COVID by using UV light. That's interesting. And when did you start to kind of pivot into that project? And can you tell us a little bit more about it? Uh, of course. Uh, so we uh, took a, a modular approach to creating robots. And uh, we had taken orders and we wanted to deliver some robots when COVID hit and they closed the border between Canada and U.S. And at that time, we reached out to some of our local uh, customers and we asked them uh, how they were dealing with the COVID issue. And they said if we could uh, create some kind of a disinfecting solution for them, they would appreciate it. So because of the modular approach to robotics that we had, we were able to use some of our software and hardware modules. And within a couple of months, we created a COVID disinfectant robot. Uh, what we had to do was to create a UV disinfectant module, which we didn't have, but every other part existed in our modules library. And then uh, we received a lot of interest from other verticals for our UV disinfectant robot. And we started talking to them, and uh, that became one of our focuses in order to help the community with dealing with this issue. And so would this be um, like a mobile robot with a disinfecting UV light on top? Yes, it's a mobile robot, uh, an autonomous mobile robot that maps the area in which it's going to be disinfecting. And of course, uh, uh, it has to uh, be on its own because humans can't be present when the UV light is on. Um, high intensity UV light is hazardous to humans. So the robot does the disinfection autonomously. And do you see this um, being adopted in office spaces or hospitals or homes? 
we uh, have interest from uh, areas where there is a high uh, number of uh, people going through and common areas. Uh, malls have shown a big interest. Uh, so has the hospitality industry, the airports, uh, hospitals, uh, universities, schools. Uh, anywhere where their flow of work is disrupted because um, of uh, a lack of space or because uh, humans uh, pass by quite often and they have the chance of being infected, uh, they have shown interest to use the robot. And what do you see as some of the biggest challenges, either technical or in adaptation of this technology? Uh, one of the biggest challenges is the fact that humans should not be exposed to UV. So uh, we find it challenging uh, certain areas where they're open 24 hours. We'd have to isolate that area in order to be able to disinfect it using UV. But places like washrooms and places where you can actually close the door and people can leave the room and you can disinfect it, it would be a whole lot easier. So with open spaces, it's much tougher. Uh, to avoid the um, exposure of humans to UV. Uh, on the technical part, uh, we have everything on the wrap. Uh, it's just being able to produce enough robots fast enough to be able to address uh, the need in the market today. That's, that's a big challenge. What is your rate of production as of right now? Well, right now we are in the process of taking orders. Uh, we are looking for a partner to help us scale the production. But at this stage, the production is being done in lab. So it's definitely not enough to be able to address the market. But as soon as we do find our uh, manufacturing partner uh, to produce the UV robots for us at scale, uh, we'll be able to address the market need. Mm -hmm. And just for a little bit of context, um, can you tell us how big the company is and how how new it is? Yes, the company was established in 2017 and uh, uh, as a newborn company. It was actually incorporated in 2013, uh, but we geared it up and we started expanding in 2017. Right now, we are over 50 people a total of 39 engineers, uh, the rest working on the business side. Uh, we occupy about 7,500 square feet of space in Burnaby, British Columbia. And, uh, and uh, so far, uh, we uh, have been able to uh, attract talent in various areas of robotics, both in software and in hardware, and also in intellectual property to join our team. That's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what sorts of things you were working on leading up to COVID and this disinfecting robot? Um, and I also wanted to ask if you could touch a little bit more on the modular approach. Yes, of course. So um, the modular story started when we were thinking about how to service our products. So at the very beginning, we started looking at moving and spacing plant pots in nurseries and greenhouses, which is a very labor-intensive work, and it's tough to find people who want to do that job. 
And once we created a prototype, we thought to ourselves, how can we reduce the requirements for service in this? And how can we create a software where it can be updated remotely and easily without actually interrupting the work that the machine is doing? So we came up with the idea of uh, let's create modules. So we started creating hardware modules and software modules in order to uh, avoid uh, excessive service calls. As an example, if something uh, needs to be attended to on the robot, the end user can open that module, replace it with one that they have in stock and send it to us for service rather than us calling a service technician to go down there and visit them, which reduces the uh, downtime for the end user. And so when we started creating these modules, we soon realized that what we can do is put these modules together to create more different types of robots for the same industry. And that is what prompted us to start looking at other functionalities within the same industry and using our modules to create those robots. Now, at the end of the day, what we realized, Lily, is that Having this module library has helped us to reduce the development time and development cost of creating new robots significantly. And we saw that in action when we focused on creating a UV robot, which happened within a couple of months of when the decision was made on our part. And for the um, the agricultural robot that you mentioned, what are the what sorts of hardware modules are on board on that one and and what is its goal, really? Well, um, we do have a mobility module where everything is mounted on and it moves from point A to point B. Um, we do have a manipulator. We have a self-adjusting platform where you can put any item on it. It doesn't slip and doesn't slide uh, while the robot is moving. And we do have uh, a brain module for the robot uh, where the entire brain of the robot is uh, put into one module, which can be easily replaced. And we do have some, um, uh, some other modules uh, that can be easily replaced. For example, if you want to change the wheel, you can change the wheel module. Uh, if you want to uh, upgrade some of the sensors, you can change the sensor module and so on. So it sounds like um, the kind of beautiful thing about this is that you could pivot to sort of any task that could be um, serviced with robots. What are some of the applications that you're most excited about? Well, uh, once we tested our pot mover and spacer, we started focusing on what else we can do. And we went to the market and we asked for what challenges they had that we could address. One of them was they wanted a robot that can tow heavy weights up to 10,000 kilograms or more. And they wanted this robot to be um, autonomous. And so we started working on that. We call it a cart puller. And it's at prototype stage. And uh, you can actually look at it if you look up our YouTube channel, Advanced Intelligence Systems YouTube channel. We have it there. Uh, we went through the beta test and, um, and it's working. And uh, we are hoping within the next 12 months we'll have an MVP out. Um, uh, the other applications are, for example, the drive-by-wire uh, 
modules that we've created, which can be used in order to make tractors driverless or any vehicle driverless for that matter. And there are a lot of farming equipment that uh, do mundane tasks of going back and forth on the same road over and over again. So making those driverless and using the labor in order to do other things would be beneficial to farmers and uh, growers. Another task that we looked at, uh, which uh, we have started creating a prototype for, is a post-harvesting solution, which is a robot that can be called to go to harvesters, takes their harvest, and uh, takes that to the packing area autonomously. Uh, so there are a few different use cases that we've looked at, and we've actually started uh, creating solutions for some of them. Could you quickly explain what drive-by-wire is? Yes, drive-by-wire is uh, a jargon we use uh, when we want to talk about how we can remove hydraulic uh, controls on a vehicle and replace them with electronic controllers. Uh, which gives us the ability to control a vehicle using uh, programming uh, software and computers rather than uh, pure sheer force, uh, mechanical force. Okay, gotcha. On your website, you pitched this idea of robots as a service. And I wanted to ask yeah. a little bit what that term means and what you think it means for the future of your company. Of course. Uh, so uh, robot as a service itself, of course, is exactly what it says, uh, is deploying robots rather than selling them as capital assets, uh, deploying them based on a service that they provide. So when we went out there and started talking to growers and farmers about why they do not implement more technology in their work processes. One of the answers was that there are a lot of technologies available, but they don't know which ones they can use to have the better benefit from. And um, so uh, they did not have the money to spend on implementing all kinds of technology and going through a trial and error to see which one works. So we came back to them and we said, okay, if we create a technology for you where you don't have to actually buy that technology, you don't have to own it, but you can use it based on a subscription fee and you only pay for the amount of work that takes place and the, for the value that's been added to you, how would that feel? And all of a sudden, they were very open to receive any kind of new technology and to implement it in their uh, space. So the benefits of having a robot as a service for the end users is that if all the claims that the manufacturer makes are not true, they wouldn't be paying for anything because they only pay for the work that's being performed. And they don't have to dish out a lot of money up front, so the capital expenditure is minimal in order to deploy that technology. The benefits for the providers of that technology is that they will own the relationship with the farmers and they can implement more and more services as they build more trust with the farmers. They also add significantly to their enterprise value because now they end up with recurring income rather than a transactional income where they're selling an equipment to the farmers. 
Now, the farmers in this robot as a service model and the way we offer them, they don't have to worry about service either because service is included, which is one of the biggest worries that the farmers had in implementing technology. So it's almost, it sounds to me like it's almost a subscription package. It is exactly that. It's a subscription package, but you subscribe and you only pay for the work that's being performed, not for the presence of the uh, equipment at your site. I see. Do you think that that sort of business model is what's setting you aside from other um, companies which offer, you know, robotic modules or hardware, their software solutions? Well, uh, I know that there are a lot of companies that are uh, embracing the robot as a service uh, model of going into the market. And since we've announced it, we've seen a lot of our friends in the robotics industry who are embracing it too. And I think it's the future of how the robotic companies will be deploying their robots because it gives that peace of mind to the end users that we have your best interest in mind, and if you don't win, we won't win. So it creates a win-win situation for the providers of the service and the consumers of the service. So I believe it's going to be the way going forward, especially with the amount of new technology that's being developed right now. For the consumers, it's harder and harder to choose the right technology. So when they have the producers backing up this technology by putting it on a RAS model, it gives them that peace of mind that if they're not the right customer for the technology, the producer of the product will not be placing it with them because they wouldn't be benefiting from the product being at their site if it's not adding value to the farmers. Mm -hmm. So how does AIS set itself apart from other companies which have already also adapted this RAS model? Uh, well, we have started looking at adding a whole lot of other other values. Uh, you start a relationship with the end users by looking at one task. For example, you can look at moving plant pots from point A to point B. But then you add value by trying to capture a picture of the plant and try to uh, create AI around the detection of a disease. And that's where the added values come in or try to check for the foliage or the growth pattern of the plants or even the inventory of the plants that they have on site. So um, we enter through one task and create a relationship. But from there, we look at how else we can add value to the farmers to differentiate ourselves from the marketplace. Are there any um, industries that you don't think you could serve that you, that you don't think robots will ever be appropriate for? <laughs> I, I, I believe that um, robots uh, will be deployed in every industry. Um, I uh, remember when I was a kid, uh, if somebody would have told me uh, we, we are going to have a position of uh, AI specialist uh, or a securities specialist, uh, in robotics, I would have not imagined that that would ever happen. So the future holds things for us that we might not be able to imagine, but it seems like robots are helping us in every industry, making our lives easier and more secure. 
Awesome. And speaking of, you know, when you were a child, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how, how you got involved at AIS? Of course, I have always been an entrepreneur at heart. And uh, I was involved in various, various kinds of businesses, um, from sales to finance to banking and business consulting. Um, I started uh, really gaining an interest in technology about 10 years ago. And I started being uh, an advisor to few tech companies uh, at the very beginning by looking at market analysis and product development, and then eventually becoming more hands-on. And I did an MBA after that to uh, just launch myself a little bit more in the industry. And in about four years ago, I became an advisor to AIS, and eventually I became um, the CEO of the company. That's awesome. Thank you. Are there, other than the obviously exciting UV disinfecting robot, is there anything big on the horizon with AIS that you can uh, give us a sneak preview of? Of course, we are working heavily on being able to create actionable data uh, from the environments in which our robots work. Now, um, data is exciting, it's hot, and, you know, with cloud computing and edge computing, uh, creating actionable data is something that really excites us. So um, we are taking the lead from our industry partners. We ask them what exactly is it about the environment which they would like to know and how we can translate that into some uh, actions that will help their bottom line. And that's something that we have on the horizon and it's really exciting for us to look at. So speaking um, as someone in the academic world, is there is there any opportunity for for you to like share that data with the community <laughs> and um, other other insights that you've learned? Of course. Well, the principle is that uh, sharing is caring, isn't it? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and uh, and the more you share, the more you can benefit the whole rather than uh, just a piece. And we've always been very, very transparent with collaborating with everybody who comes around. Like we've had people who come to us with their problems, uh, some robotic companies, and we have great relationships with them. And uh, we are not shy about sharing our assets with people who have the same vision on us as us, and they want to contribute to the same end goal. That's awesome. I might follow up with you on that one. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, I think that's about all the time we have. Um, thank you so much for speaking with me. Okay, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. Sadly, that brings us to the end of this episode. But not to worry, there's plenty more to discover at robohub.org forward slash podcast, including information about how you can become a patron for Robohub. As a community-supported podcast, we are run by a team of volunteers around the globe and we rely on small donations from listeners like yourself to help us keep going. So check out how you can get involved at robohub.org forward slash podcast and we will see you again with a brand new episode in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Robots as a Service with Robohub, the podcast for news and views 
on robotics.